None of the content on this or any episode of the Kratom Science Podcast and Kratom Science Journal Club, nor on any of the pages of KratomScience.com, should be considered medical claims or medical advice. This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com. Your source for all things Kratom. Episode 64 is our Veterans Day special. We take a look back at four United States military veterans who had a Kratom story to share with us. To all the veterans listening, we recognize the courage it takes to sign up for your job. We appreciate you and happy Veterans Day. From episode 13, we have Drew Turner. I saw Drew in the documentary Leaf of Faith. I'm grateful to still correspond with him now and again about Kratom issues when he can. He's a Navy veteran, served in Iraq and Guantanamo Bay. Um, I was in the Navy. I started in 2003. I'd been living overseas. I came back to the U.S., joined the Navy at the ripe old age of 30, so I was a little bit older than your average recruit. Um, basically my time in the Navy was almost straight deployed overseas and, you know, along with, uh, military deployments come injuries many times, especially if you're deployed into, you know, certain war zones and other things like that. Yeah. Um, my, my Navy service though, in 2012 ended in, because in 2009 I had been stationed at Guantanamo um, and while we were removing a detainee from his cell, um, he he decided that he wanted, you know, they, 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 it, it was it was a long day of many detainees trying to self harm. Oh, okay. We couldn't allow that to happen. Yeah, he was restrained, and. I wasn't really watching what he was doing and he just proceeded to try to bite me. I moved my hands and he started smashing his head into the floor and we couldn't let that happen. Uh, okay. So I kind of had to take one for the team. Um, and it, in, in doing so it destroyed the, my right wrist caused a pretty severe nerve damage. And to this day, I don't have what most would consider a functional right hand um, oh, wow. and I'm right-handed. So, which makes it a little more difficult. And in my job in the Navy, you know, I was basically armed 24-7 except for that deployment in, at Guantanamo. And, and you know, if you can't qualify with a firearm in the job that I worked in, you weren't going to last in the job. So in 2012, the Navy released me from service. And my health progressively deteriorated, not just from the hand injury, um, but also due to PTSD. Um, and it turns out a lot of other issues that came along, um, a, a movement disorder that, that I developed a couple of years after being discharged, um, they believe were, and the cancer that I've been fighting, they believe were attached to uh, uh, exposure to the burn pits in the Middle East <laughs> while I was deployed there. So, the you know, for me, it wasn't the pain in my hand that caused me to seek out Kratom, it was actually this movement disorder. Um, it, it, it caused severe stuttering. It caused severe uh, muscle spasms through my face and my neck to the point where I couldn't even speak when it would be really 
kicking in, and a lot of it's linked to the PTSD as well as other neurological issues going on. So then we had to move on to medications. You know, I, I was taking anti-inflammatories and some things for my PTSD, but but not much. But as this developed, they had to start trying all these different medications in 2013-2014 to address this issue. Well, the the movement disorder I developed, there really wasn't a lot of medications that would work for it. And because it's a fairly rare movement disorder, there just isn't a, you know, it's basically guinea pigging and trying whatever medications they can use for movement disorders to see what works. Yeah. And sadly, nothing worked. Mm-hmm. So I wound up having to leave my, my job with the federal government. That's what I had done after I got out of the military. Um, I'd been working I worked for the federal government for almost two years, but I wound up having to leave that job because there was just no way to functionally work um, with the movement disorder. And so we spent several years trying to find a solution to get me back into uh, a a place where I could be a functional member of society. Yeah. We never found that with the medication. Mm -hmm. So in 2015-ish, I don't remember the exact month. I, I believe it was like March, but it may have been April or May. Um, I, I was at a point where my doctor basically knew that I had lost hope. Mm. I I was at that point, And when you've got, you know, military service members lose hope a lot. That's part of one of the reasons why we have 22 a day on average committing suicide. Yeah. And I think my doctors realized that. And they, they saw that, that the medication just wasn't doing what we expected. Um, I, I, you know, I, I had basically become a shut-in. I just couldn't do much. Um, I couldn't functionally drive at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and it, it's tough to go from being this, this big, strong military member that's doing all of these things and traveling the world to basically a couple of years later being trapped in your home and yeah. losing hope. Yeah. So my doctor really started challenging me and he said, look, we need to find something. He goes, let's, let's look at something else. He goes, what about we stop the medications or at least taper you off some of them? And he goes, and let's try something different. He goes, maybe let's try yoga or maybe let's try acupuncture or maybe let's try, you know, herbal teas or, you know, and he just threw out a lot of different things. He goes, he goes, we could try cannabis. We could, you know, but he, because he was a VA doctor and a federal employee, he couldn't recommend cannabis. Yeah. And he couldn't recommend a lot of the other things that work. You know, now there's some studies into psilocybin, you know, for PTSD and for other things. And, yeah. and that was my biggest issue was addressing my anxiety and PTSD that we found out later caused a lot of the movement disorder. Not all of it, but it definitely... Uh, exacerbated the the situation. Yeah. So I spent several months really heavily looking, reading online, getting onto Reddit, getting onto, you know, uh, blue light, getting onto any of the forums online I could find that talked about things people were, were trying to address movement disorders and to address PTSD and anxiety and because I knew that I was running out of time. And when I say that, I'm, I, I'm, I'm physically saying that I was on a path to suicide. Yeah. There's not a question in my mind that that was the direction I was headed. Yeah. 
Um, so I, the funny part was I kept reading and, and in the same places I'd read about people using marijuana for things and CBD for things, I kept seeing this word kratom popping up. You know, at that time, we hadn't reached the national outcry, you know, where the DEA tried to ban it in 2016, mm -hmm. the FDA, then after, you know, the next two years, put the pressure onto the community to, to make it a Schedule One. So it was still kind of a... I, I, an underground thing, but not completely underground. It definitely wasn't as widespread as you see it today here in the U.S. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you definitely weren't driving down the street in most areas and seeing signs out in front of stores, you know, yeah. advertising Kratom at that time. Yeah, yeah. I kept seeing so many things related to the use and consumption of Kratom that I said, you know, this sounds like snake oil. Because if this was real, why hadn't I heard of this before? That was yeah. my thinking. And I suspect a lot of people, as they first start trying Kratom or hear about it, um, that's that same thinking. And, it, and it's kind of embarrassing to look back and say, man, why didn't I have this faith? But you're just not, you know, it's not a, it's not something that we're developed for the most part here in this country, at least, to have that idea that natural things can play a beneficial role in your wellness. Yeah. So yeah. it, it took me a while. It took me a while to really kind of come around and even some time talking with my doctors and we had to spend time looking for basically any study we could find at that time because my doctors wanted to know more. But one of the benefits was in 2015, there also wasn't this huge misinformation campaign, you know, from the likes of people like, you know, Gottlieb at the FDA. Mm -hmm. And so the doctor kind of looked at the safety profile of it and said, you know, it doesn't look like this will be harmful. He said, but we've got to get you off all these medications first because do you want to try this? And I said, you know, I got, I got nothing left to lose. Why not? Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I, you know, he, of course he couldn't provide it to me. He couldn't track it down for me, but, but we spent some time kind of reading as much as we could and trying to find out what to look for in a, reputable uh, Kratom vendor. I still didn't know much at that time. And so, you know, we kind of just rolled the dice and saw what we got. It was a night and day difference. You know, the, the, the wellness that it promoted was incredible. I, I you know, I couldn't, and, and I don't want to say, okay, it's only Kratom that does these things for my health, because that's not really true. I do spend a lot of time working on my health. But at that time, it kind of directed me down a different path, you know, mm -hmm. and it gave me reasons to get off of all these medications that I was taking. There was something in the in the, the neighborhood of 20 different medications I took at that time or that I was prescribed, yeah. you know, and today, just five years later, I, I, I generally only have a prescription for one medication, but I haven't even refilled that, that prescription. Um, that I get for cluster headaches in wow. months. So, you know, I haven't increased my, my, the, the amount of Kratom I'm consuming over this time. Mm -hmm. You know, there is days that I will maybe drink a little bit more Kratom tea than others um, due to pain issues or anxiety or, you know, yeah. certain things that it definitely helps, has a calming effect for me, which is a huge part of, feeling better.
I know where my body hits that wall, and that mm-hmm. wall's at about day five and day six. That's why I generally take about a four to five day break each month. And we're not still to this day really sure if it's an anxiety and PTSD reaction buildup that, that has been kind of underlying, or if it's the actual movement disorder yeah. that kind of reappears. We don't yeah. really know because it's not like, you know, you see people that have certain movement disorders that can vape some, you know, cannabis products and it just shuts it off. Now that doesn't work for me. I can't just, you know, once I hit that wall, I'm going to have a few days that are going to be very rough for me because the movement disorder comes back. Yeah. And that's the, that's the May syndrome, right? Yes. Yeah. May syndrome. Anybody listening, get involved, you know, do whatever you can do. If that means making a donation, great. If that means getting on, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and other social media and raising awareness about things like your life stories, get those out there. If that means making videos for YouTube, get those out there. If you can, put your feet on the ground and get out there and speak to your legislators and lawmakers in your area because typically we're seeing most of the ban pushes coming at the city and state level, and the only people that can really make an effect are the people that live in those cities and states. And so if, if you're listening to this right now and you're saying, hey, what can I do to help? Get out there and meet your legislators, even if they're not from your party, even if they're not, if they're independents, if they're Republicans, if they're Democrats, if they're socialists, if they're libertarians, if they, it doesn't matter. Go out and meet them, find out what their stance is, and make sure they're getting all the information, because that's the way we keep this plant legal. Next, from episode 54, we have Jackie O'Shea. Jackie lives in Pittsburgh, and I saw a letter she wrote about Kratom to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Her husband fought in Iraq, suffered from horrible PTSD, and took his own life. Jackie is also a combat veteran who served in Afghanistan. At the time of our interview, she was studying to be a veterinarian. We... We would go into we were a small group of female and uh, female NCOs and like maybe like one or two soldiers that would go into villages and we would talk to the women and children um, because our men couldn't. So we would go in and we would. Um, so we were able to talk to the women. Um, we were able to gather information from them, um, kind of like winning the hearts and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but for years, the like years we were in Afghanistan, we were missing 50 percent of the population because the men would go in there and then they would just put all the women in a room and like, you know, and then also we had, we, they had men uh, that, that were hiding under burkas, like men that we were looking for hiding under burkas, you know? So, okay. um, so we were there uh, winning the hearts and minds, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in 2013, um, when my husband passed, I, I was like, I, I have to get out. Somehow I have to get out. I was going on almost 10 years active duty and I was just burnt out. And, and you did two tours in Afghanistan? Yes, I did two tours. So you did two tours. So how many, how long is uh, one tour? Uh, one year. But my yeah. husband actually got out after 11 years. He was, uh, he was 11 Bravo. He was infantry. Um, mm-hmm. And he actually got, he got embedded through the El Paso Times to go um, to go to Afghanistan to do a story on me. So he was he was actually a freelance combat uh, combat journalist. Oh wow! So 
Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, it was actually a surprise. Um, I had my, uh, my, star, my sergeant major was, was like, hey, you're going to have a journalist doing missions with you, eating, eating dinner with you, blah, 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 blah. He's like, mind your P's and Q's. So I was like, oh, okay. So I wrote him <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's me. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, that's of, crazy. Kind of, he ended up in Afghanistan um, for a little while with us. So did you meet your husband in, in the army? I did. I met, uh, I met him in Germany. We were stationed in Germany, the, okay. same, uh, the same post. He was in Iraq a few times. Okay. Uh, he was in the Battle of Fallujah. Uh, he was never deployed to Afghanistan. He was only there as a journalist. Yeah, one of the first things he said, he said to me, we were, we were, in, a, we were in a Chinook, and he's like, why does my wife have the M4 and I got a camera? <laughs> I was like, well, you got out. Like, this is your fault. It was kind of like a roller coaster for us because um, we were we got married in 2011. We um, we moved to the United States in 2011. Um, he got out of the army in 2011. I deployed to Afghanistan in 2011, and then by the end of 2011, he was in Afghanistan. So that whole year was like like hit the ground running for us. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, reenlisted. Okay. Uh, I I came back from Afghanistan. Um, I was getting, I was getting ready. To, I was getting used to being back in the states, you know, kind of like getting re- like getting used to everything. Um, they offered me a new duty station. Um, I got to pick Alaska. Um, yeah. And I uh, picked Alaska, and I was like, you know what? Like, it's a it's a unit that's getting ready to deploy. Um, uh, I just got my skill identifier is uh, for the for the job for the female engagement team job, like it's like on my ERB. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to this infantry company or this infantry brigade that's on orders to deploy. I was like, it's 99.9% chance that I'm going to deploy as a female engagement team NCO. Um, so I was going to get ready to PCS to Alaska, deploy again. And then um, next thing you know, um, he committed suicide. So, and so I, would, uh, I would say it was a shock, but there were there were some warning signs, uh, plenty of warning signs. And and um, you said that like a lot of uh, a lot of his uh, brothers and and combat were starting to commit suicide. I mean, how many people did uh, did you all know that were that committed suicide? Um, I personally didn't know any of them. Uh, yeah. From his first unit, uh, there was, uh, I believe, five. Five wow. of them from his first um, wow. He was in the, uh, the Battle of Fallujah. And just not okay. too long ago, um, there was this, there's this chaplain uh, that was with, with all, all of them through that. I think he was a captain at the time. He's a, he's a colonel now. Um, but uh, he, um, he was... He was there during Fallujah. Um, he was there through all the suicides. I mean, it was just like one after another, after another, after another. Wow. And then um, when when Brandon did it, um, like he was the one who like contacted me. We talked on the phone probably like every other day. Um, and it's it's pretty it's it's so tragic because because of because of that mission because of uh, of that company. One of them just got the Medal of Honor last year, mm. uh, and it's so sad because um, 
they're not here to see that. Uh, looking back on it, I was I was still active duty, and you know I was I was busy all the time. Um, I would come home and in in, uh, in our house he had his own office where he would write and like he would have like a he would have like maps of like you know like where he was gonna go like freelance and stuff like that. Um, there was a map of Syria, and I was like I was like that's a suicide mission. Like you can't go do that. He's like that's the point. You know he'd make all these references. You oh, know, and man. I'm like. Yeah, there was this one time when I was in Afghanistan and he was home. Um, he was he was uh, messaging me and he was threatening uh, suicide and to the point where everything like all contact would just go black. And then I would have to find a way from Afghanistan to find to find um, a way to get a hold of the El Paso Police Department to do a welfare check. Yeah. And I'm. All the way across the uh, all the way across the world, um, he had to do inpatient um, help. There would be times like he was constantly drinking, constantly, mm-hmm. um, and then he would get so drunk he would be blacked out drunk, and he wouldn't remember anything he was saying, and he would threaten it all the time. Yeah. It was just so sad to watch him go down this. Um, this hole and then the VA was giving him all kinds of weird medication and then like it would be like Razapam uh, or something like that and then then they yeah. gave him and they gave him like uh, Ambien or something and he would he would eat all the Ambien like he would just take all of his pills at yeah. once and I would have to like I would have to watch him yeah. I would have to like regulate it like um so we didn't have we didn't have a perfect marriage. I mean, we did not. It was it was a really 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got the knock on the door that night with the detective, um, I was literally just sitting there at, at watching TV, and I thought he got arrested. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Oh my lord, what happened?" You know what I mean? I'm like, "Oh no." what happened and um and and that's when they told me and i it was almost like i knew it was gonna happen Mm -hmm. and i hate to say that but it was like it was shocking but it's like all the warning signs were there and he's already been inpatient and outpatient and i'm like what like it was just the worst part like the worst thing and in my entire life. Yeah. Like, I wish I could turn back time. And I wish, I wish I knew what Creighton was back then. Yeah. I really do. And like, that's why I'm here today to talk about that because I honestly believe like in my heart, if he knew what it was, he wanted help. If I knew what it was, if he knew what it was, like, I think that I, I I believe in my heart that it would help him. Me and um, me and my dog Annabelle, she, we um, we left, went across the country, went uh, walked the Appalachian Trail. Didn't do the whole thing, but we stayed up there for like two months. Awesome. Um, and then we drove back with my friend, who I thought was a complete idiot. Right? He just likes to spend money, and. Um, He's like, oh, I, I bought these two little energy shot things for like $20. And I was like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> He's like, 
I was like, I don't want that stuff. Like, I don't do energy shots, right? Yeah. And um, and we're sitting there at like a restaurant or something, and um, and he's like, whoa. He's like, you need to take this. He's like, but just take a half of one. And I was like, why? I was like, he's like, just trust me. He's like, I've never felt like this before. And I was like, okay. So I do. And I was like, whoa, I'm like the calmest I've ever felt in my entire life. And this is in 2014. And I'm like, what is this stuff? I was like, I feel really good. Like, and this is at probably like my peak of like drinking, drinking morning, noon, night. Mm-hmm. Like I have to wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning to like take a shot or else I'm going to be in like withdrawal. Like I was bad. Like yeah. the Appalachian Trail, that's like one of the reasons why I stayed out there because I wanted to like detox. Yeah, but I would always yeah. go into town and like resupply. You know what I mean? So it was like my worst enemy. Yeah. Um, same with the Colorado Trail. Um, but, uh, but like I felt calm, like my soul was at ease. Um, and I was like, wow, this stuff is really, really cool. So I got like a couple more and then I kind of just forgot about it. And I was like, it's so expensive, you know, like these things are tiny. And um, there were those little, um, little uh, like tinctures, you know, or extract. Yeah. Extract shots. Literally helped me through school. I didn't have, I didn't have like, the need to drink, thank God. It helped me stop. Yeah. Um, like I I knew like I was gonna get nowhere in life. Like like my attitude was different when I drank. I was a horrible person. Like mm. like I couldn't stand people, like I was I was a jerk, you know, I was like I didn't like anybody, like I was just I'm like I'm going to end up being like a horrible old lady sitting at the end of the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> broke. I'm spending all of my money. Like, it's just, I don't want that for myself. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. not going to be able to function at school. I'm not going to be able to, like, finish my degree. Yeah. I'm not. Um, and then um, being in the medical field, like, could you imagine if you were it, in a surgery, like, surgery room and then you were trying to put, like, a catheter and you, your hands are so shaky. You, you, you know, you You'd be killing kittens left and right. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> I'll be that person. I mean, yeah. mistakes happen when you're when you're completely sober. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, I don't want to be that person. And um, kratom helped me get my life back. Yeah. It. And I'm not saying it's a. I'm trying to be careful when I, with what I say, like it's a, um, it's a, um, cure all. Cause I'm not trying to say it's a cure all at all. I'm just trying to say it helps me personally. I wanted to give back. So, um, now I'm trying to like volunteer my time. Like I don't have that much money to donate, but like I want to, um, donate some of my time or at least get my story out there. Up next from episode 20, it's Jennifer Van Blanc. Jennifer's lifelong dream for a career in the military was cut short due to an injury. She used opiates to deal with physical and emotional pain, which led her to an addiction. She was able to turn her life around through the use of kratom and microdosing psilocybin. I was in basic training, and about five days before, this is all relevant to like my creative story, so about five days before graduation, we had this one final uh, push-up, sit-up, 
run test. It's called the PFA, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, um, a couple laps into that, I broke my heel. There was a like a legitimate crack in my heel. To this day, when I get X-rays done, there's still like a little you can see a line where it didn't heal correctly. Anyway, that happened when I got out of my rack one morning to go to the bathroom, and I was on top rack. So I had to land on it the wrong way. Whatever happened, there was a crack in my heel. So my run time, I was off by six seconds. Yeah. So, you know, they, they rolled me back because six. I did double push-ups, double sit-ups, all that stuff, and still six seconds, I got rolled back. So I had to go through basic training again. But each time, like, I was able to run for my PSA, like, uh, I think once a week. And each time, my run got slower and slower because my foot hurt more and more. But I didn't say anything to him because, you know, I knew I'd be out. You know what I mean? Like, that's like a discharge right there. Because I was, like, 25 at the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, I finally ran out of Tylenol. I had to go to uh, medical to get more ibuprofen. They'd give everybody ibuprofen in hundreds like it was candy. So I went to go get more of that, and they asked me what was wrong, why I needed some. And if I had told them I had cramps, I would be in the Navy today. But I was honest with them, and I told them, I said, my foot hurts. So they asked me why. And, you know, I said, I said it feels like there's a sharp, it feels like there's a nail going through my foot and, like, shooting up my heel. So I got an x-ray in about probably four hours later. I got told I was going home, and that kind of killed me. But I was in basic. All that, that, all that whole process lasted, like, six months. Yeah. So that's why I still had the designation veteran. You know what I mean? But I didn't get to go do anything. So you had to you had to be discharged because of an injury for permanently. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like I don't get medical or anything like that. I never applied for anything. Yeah, I'd rather yeah. just go work. But yeah, to this day, when it snows and rains out and stuff like that, if I have to walk, if I'm on my foot a whole lot, oh yeah, that sucker hurts. Oh yeah. So anyway, but I got Percocets, and okay. that's where all my that's where everything be at. That's why I say it's all relevant. When I got discharged, I didn't have any insurance. Okay. So I had to get them off the street. Okay, yeah. And, you know, having to go to work so that you can get the money to buy the pain pill, you know what I mean? And then, then with the, I realized I realized when I was taking the Percocet for the pain that it killed the emotional pain, too. Yeah. Dude, the, the only thing I wanted for my entire life was just, you know, military. That's the only thing that was ever on my mind, you know? Yeah. But anyway, that's where my all my stuff started. I was at the point where I was like, you know what? If somebody says they have heroin, I'm going to try it. Because yeah. I could smoke it or I could snort it. I don't have to shoot it, right? Yeah. Because so, I don't like needles. And I'm like, I have tattoos, but I'm not a big needle person. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm, so that night I'm making phone calls. And the one, the only person that had anything was this kid around the corner from me. He had to box on. So I said, well, what the hell is that? Because I'd never heard of it before, you know? Mm-hmm. So he explained it to me, and I went and I got one off him for like 10 bucks. And two weeks later, I had my own Suboxone doctor. You know what I mean? Like, I was at the point where I was desperate enough. Like, I knew I needed help when I'm sitting there starting to think about heroin, you know? My whole addiction, my addiction started about 2006, and that lasted for around five years. And at the very end of that was when I found the Suboxone. And then I was on those for about five years. But I could, I mean, I wanted off of them. I thought this was going to be the thing that I could take to get my brain off of the pills. And, you know, then I'll be okay to go. Suboxone was 10 times worse of an addiction than the pills ever were. I felt like I could, the, the, the lowest amount that I was able to get down to, I got down to two milligrams every other day of yeah. the Suboxone strips. I, you know, I would cut them up and, and I would sell the rest of them. Yeah. Like I'd flip them and sell them. That's how I made money. I would need two a week. They gave me three a day. You said it was worse than, than the other stuff. How is it worse? Oh my like, God, yeah. The with, well, the withdrawal is absolutely unbelievably painful 
Yeah. The withdrawal from Suboxone, it, I mean, I've, I've talked to, you know, a friend of mine, we're talking like a day out of her having a needle in her arm, and she's telling me that she don't want the Suboxone because the withdrawal from that is worse than the heroin. And I got to agree with her because I felt, I mean, I never did heroin, but I felt that it was way worse than anything that I got from Oxys or anything else. Yeah. The chemical, it just, it hooks you. You cannot get off of it. I couldn't go more than 24 hours without at least a, a piece of a milligram. You know, like I had to have at least a milligram or so every 24 hours. Yeah. Or I would start getting sick. For, for years, this went on. Like I literally was just waiting to die. Yeah. Like literally, like like that's. And I'm not even. I'm not even exaggerating at all. Like I was just waiting. Like I would go out of the house and be like, "Man, I hope I get hit by a bus today." Like I would legitimately hope for that to happen. Yeah. You know, that's 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 a hell of a drug, man. Yeah. So, so when did you uh, first hear about kratom? Um. Okay. Uh, actually, I was in the Suboxone doctor's office, and there was uh, this one, this one girl that I used to ride up to the doctor's office with. She asked me the one day when we were sitting in there. She's like, you ever heard of this stuff called Kratom? And I didn't know what the hell it was. But I was curious, so I looked up. So, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading reading on it. So I went over to Wonderland. It's a pet shop in Philly. Uh-huh. And I paid $45 for 15 capsules of something. It was some type of silver. Crazy expensive, but I had no idea. I didn't know any better. That day, I think I took all 15 caps within probably three or four hours, and it didn't do anything. I was completely unaware of, like, how Kratom worked. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're uneducated, you just go and do something, and you're not doing it the right way. You don't know the whole process. And it, it, it did nothing. So I, I thought it was a bunch of bullshit. Like, oh, that's one of them hippie things, and it's not going to work for me. I need, you know, I need actual chemicals and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, a couple months later, I ran into a friend of mine from high school. And woman, I haven't seen her in 20 years. And we were talking and ended up that she had the same problems I did with Percocets and everything else. I mean, her position was a little bit further than mine. You know, she went to the heroin and stuff like that. But regardless, she was taking Kratom at the point. She was, I think she said she'd been on it maybe two or three years at the time we were talking. So she she explained both to me about online and the vendors and lab testing and the different colors and the strains and what they do and how to take it and when to take it and all that stuff. So she gave me a couple of bags of it and I was still skeptical. You know, I was like, eh, whatever, we'll see. Uh, Anyway, this was around New Year's. So I'd go out, you know, New Year's, Philadelphia, it's like a whole big thing. So uh, I'd go down on New Year's Day, and on my way home, you know, I was walking home, and my knee gave out on me, my right knee, which is bad knee anyway. I already had surgery on it and stuff, but uh, my knee gave out, right? So I went home, and I, this is I was on Suboxone and stuff like that, and I was in so much pain, but I knew that the hospital's not going to do anything for me because I'd been through this before. I just had to, you know, wait it out, give it a couple of days, let the swelling go down. So I said to my dad, and my dad get my dad's got a very bad back. He had about nine surgeries himself. But um, he gets prescription oxycontin. So I asked him for one because, I mean, my knee was the size of a softball. You know, so he gave me one. Even I've been sober for years. Well, you know, clean off of the perks from the street for years. So I took a 20 milligram oxycontin, and it didn't do anything. Like, I was in a lot, a lot of pain. Like, to the point, I had tears in my eyes one time, at one point. So I had this bag. She, gave, she had the Red Horn, I believe, was the first one that I tried. So I was like, you know what? I said, this stuff is supposed to be good for pain. I said, what the hell? You know, I'll take it. So I took a half a teaspoon. And about 15, 20 minutes later, my knee pain was gone. Like, it really, it, it took the pain away to the point where it was just a dull throb. Like, I was sitting there eating ham and cheese sandwich, happy as hell, watching a movie. Yeah. It, it was absolutely unbelievable. And it took me, the one thing that I had a hard time getting over on the transition from Suboxone to Kratom was the fact that, I felt good. 
But yeah. I didn't think that I deserved that feeling. Because uh, number one, I never thought I'd feel like that ever again in my life. I thought that was dead and gone, buried in the past, not going to happen. Yeah. And I, 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 I felt fantastic. I felt I was happy. I was in a good mood. I was, was looking forward to the future. And this is all after like, I don't know, three or four days of taking Kratom by itself. So yeah. I actually stopped. And I'd, go, I'd continued going to the doctor for the next like month. Because I, I had to wrap my head around it. You know what I mean? I had to like get in the mind frame like, okay, yeah, you know, I can be a decent human being again. I can have a little bit of hope, you know? It took a while to adjust to that. Like yeah. um, when I first started, as soon as I woke up, I had to take it. Six months into it, I could be awake for 20 minutes, a half hour before I felt that need. A year into it, I could be awake for a couple hours before I needed, had to have it. You know what I mean? Three years later, I wake up and like, oh, you know, I don't even think about it until my back starts hurting or my foot starts hurting or I'm fucking miserable for whatever so whatever reason it is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, you have to give your body time to heal. And yeah. so many addicts want an immediate, you know, overnight cure, and they think that this is what it's supposed to be, and it's not like that. You have to put in the time and the, the time and the work. I mean, you figure for me, it took me, I had, I had to spend, what, a year and a half, two years taking Kratom every day to get to a point where my body pretty much doesn't even remember the effects of the Percocets and everything that I put it through for 10 years. That's a pretty goddamn good trade-off, if you ask me. I yeah. got off easy, and my, and my recovery was painless. I mean, don't get me wrong, the emotional stuff, you have to go through that on your own. Yeah. And that's a you know, personal process for everybody. The physical part, it, it, that, that was, I mean, it was painless. So I tried, I did microdosing too with magic mushrooms. And oh, that really? Was amazing. How was oh, that? Oh, yeah. I've that never was, actually I microdosed like I, them. <laughs> I felt like I leveled up in life. I've never taken mushrooms ever in my life. I yeah. mean, I like eating mushrooms, but I've never tripped on shrooms, anything like that. Yeah. So I was real, real skeptical at first, and the guy that I ended up talking to, he was walking me through it. So I said, all right, you know, fine. It's a microdose. It's like a tenth of a gram. You know, it's not going to make me see, you know, Smurfs running around. Yeah. And <laughs> it, it'll be okay. So it was, it was crazy. The first time I had, you know, little, it's a itty-bitty little scoop. And uh, it just tastes like mushroom, you know, no big deal. But uh, I was sitting there, and it was it was crazy. It felt like I was getting hit in the back of the head, and it was going open up, open up, open up, open up. You know what I mean? And then finally, I was like, uh, you know, I like I, I let my defenses down, I guess, you know. Yeah. And it came through, and it was like, it just, ah, man, I guess, I guess it it, it kind of like walked you through walked me through my past trauma because a lot of my emotional stuff came from not being able to, you know, fulfill my want to be in the military, but. It, they helped, but honestly, the mushrooms, it helped me see that my path, it, my path was not the military this lifetime. You know what I mean? That yeah. might have been my path last lifetime, which helps me in this life. I mean, it sounds absolutely insane, but it once you go through it, you completely understand, and it makes total sense. I, yeah. uh, it, <laughs> I know what I sound like. I know it sounds absolutely insane, but it, it, I felt like I leveled up in life because it just helped me understand so much more. And mm -hmm. accept things that I didn't even want to think about. A big thing with, with addiction is that you develop your addiction in private. Uh, yeah. you, you do. You develop your addiction in private. And but you might do drugs with friends. But yeah, the, yeah. The, the extent of your addiction and the depth of it, that's personal. Exactly. That's only on you. Yep. You know what I'm saying? And some people go so far in a hole, they don't know how to fucking get out. That's what, that's what happened to me. I didn't know where to go, who to turn to. I, I was afraid. I, everything. Mm -hmm. But Kratom, it lets you, you don't have to go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting and stand up 
and tell you tell you know a room of fifty people your deepest darkest secrets. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to go to a shrink and sit there and you know lament over things that happened years ago. You can work on this all all in your bedroom, in your house, by yourself, in your own mind, and it actually works. Yeah. I mean, the privacy aspect of kratom is just shoots up the benefits a thousand times more than any other recovery program. Finally, from episode 16, we have Andy Knowles. Andy's wife contacted me, and we did this interview. Long story short, Andy was kicked out of the Navy after a 15-year career because he used Kratom to successfully control depression and anxiety. What, what kind of job did you do in the Navy? Oh, I was a gunner's mate, so anything guns, more specifically, I I went to start the... Those follow-on schools I was talking to about, to you about was uh, was for cannons. You know, um, if you're familiar with like with navy ships, you know some of them have like the huge cannon on the front of the ship. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that was my like primary job for the first uh, my first like six years was doing that, and you know so that was like my first ship in a nutshell was working on these cannons. And, you know, also like small arms and, and machine guns and what have you, but that was the main job. I spent some time doing that and then left there, stayed in San Diego, but went to, and then I ended up teaching that same school, you know, for the cannons. I was teaching that for four years. Got to do a little like, you know, it's shore duty is what it's called, you know, so you do sea and shore, so they kind of rotate you. So my my shore duty was was teaching those cannons did you serve overseas i went i did you know several deployments overseas mm-hmm. middle east or or china or africa got to see the world and i mean yeah you know got to do some cool stuff and you know things that you know most most 20 year olds don't do it was it was good you know bad at times good at times but i loved it i mean I, yeah you know they're they're the culture you get to to like you're immersed in and you know it's one thing to like watch it you know say on the travel channel or or watch it on tv Mm -hmm. but you know to go like be basically like dropped off for like a day or two you know be like okay go experience that and you don't speak the language it's uh it's cool it's it's uh you know it's humbling because you know you're the outsider and you know, it's uh, I, I thought it was a cool experience. You know, I'd gone to, you know, uh, Navy's medical and mental health uh, for depression and anxiety because okay. I was just having a hard time, you know, in life. Mm-hmm. And which, like, who isn't? But I, uh, you know, I wanted to do something about it. So, and I had some bad experiences with you know, uh, the military's healthcare. Um, and, you know, I'm not speaking for anybody but myself, you know, but I, my, my first, uh, sort of like, I guess, view into mental health treatment was, um, I went in and, you know, filled out the paperwork and, you know, it was like a bunch of like on the scale of one to ten, like how bad are you feeling and all this stuff, you know. And I finally got to like sit with a doctor 
at mental health and it's my very first time sitting with a doctor and um the way it went was I, I sat in his room and he was on his computer the whole time and never once looked at me you know and he was like what what's the matter and I was like I, I don't know I'm like I'm not enjoying like being alive like I don't want to I don't want to die, but I'm not. I'm not enjoying like life at all. Oh God, I know that feeling. Was, his train of thought was like everywhere. It wasn't like he had like it. It was almost as if like he was reading a script that didn't make sense. I left yeah. like I left feeling like well, what the hell was that? You know, I just wasted like two hours out of my day. Yeah. So and nothing ever came of it. You know, it was just. I answered some questions to a guy who never it probably couldn't tell you what I what hair color I had, but you know, and that was it, like the end. I was like, well, okay, maybe that's how it is, like how it goes. You know, obviously nothing improved after that session, so I went back again a second time and met with a different doctor. Didn't ask me anything. She, it was. I've looked at your paperwork. Here's a prescription for Paxil. Uh, go fill it. Take it how the bottle says. I can't say that the offer wasn't afforded to me to talk to someone because it was. You know, it was, uh, by the way, don't forget we got these services, you know, with people you can talk to. So I went and did that, you know, and mm -hmm. like that was more helpful uh, than, you know, any of the doctors that I was seeing. Yeah. You yeah. know, at the mental health. Um, because I'm just, you know, I'm just spilling my guts about everything to this, you know, the stranger. So yeah, it was yeah. good. I liked it. But, I mean, it wasn't like nothing was changing, I thought, you know. So um, I was, I started researching civilian, you know, civilian health care providers that accepted my insurance, you know. And uh, I, I met up with a guy, a doctor in, in – San Diego, who um, sort of same thing. He prescribed me. Uh, he's like, uh, try this. It's gabapentin, and I guess it was like in the still in the trial phase for anxiety and depression. I don't know if you've ever even heard of it, but I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> it was definitely a ride, like as far as that medicine yeah. goes. But it wasn't. It was like something that like. You know, 15 minutes after the first time I took it, I was like, I can't be doing this. Like, this one's not going to be beneficial. So, mm -hmm. you know, cut to I'm not taking it anymore. And, like, that's kind of it. So, I mean, yeah. um, I've got family members, you know, close family that <laughs> have, uh, you know, had depression problems and kind of got the same thing from their doctors. Like, here's these pills, take these pills. And one of them... Uh, was like, well, I'm taking uh, Kratom now for this, you know, and like never felt better. Okay. It wasn't something I'd ever really heard about, you know. Um, you know, you hear about like uh, like pharmaceuticals, you hear about all that, but like I hadn't heard much about it um, except for, you know, firsthand like I'm taking this now and it's it's like a life changer, you know. So cut two, I'm taking Kratom, you know. Do a little research, you know, like everybody else does. Google it, you know, and 
bought it, took it, and, you know, within a couple days, I was like, you know, this isn't bad. It's doing something here, so I just, I stuck with it. You know, I've still got issues, you know, with the depression and anxiety, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm like a, I'm a functional depressed, depressed person, you know, and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm far more functional now than I was before. That's, that's for sure, you know. I mean, to sum it up, it's revengeful exes. It was an ex-husband. There's, you know, a lot of, like, hard feelings there or whatever. When I initially got pulled into a legal office, um, I was ta- I was still taking Kratom. And, they, I, you know, I was getting questioned about, like, everything under the sun about my life except for Kratom. Like, they never mentioned it. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what they were leading towards. But they never said it, though. Like, during, like... It was like an interrogation type of thing, right? But it was never about Kratom. I left there going like, what in the hell was that? And went about living my life. You know, I was like kept taking Kratom because like we hadn't talked about it. I didn't know at the time like it's banned because everybody knows like you don't go to work in the military and shoot heroin in the morning. You know, mm-hmm. you don't go smoke crack before you go to work. And I'm sure, like, people listening that may be in the military would be like, well, I knew that. But I'd kind of have to call bullshit on that because nobody knew about it or what it was at all. Yeah. You know, but what they, you know, so I get accused of doing drugs, basically. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll let's take the drug test. Cool. So I go take a, a urinalysis, right? Leave. That took several weeks to come back. In that meantime, I had gone to court for child custody and where my ex was bringing up in court, like he's on drugs, he's doing heroin, he's doing opiates, oh, all this stuff. And I was like, Uh, well, I beg your pardon, you know, no, I'm not. And my lawyer's like, go get a hair test like today. So immediately left court, went and paid like the 160 for a hair test, you know, did the hair test. I'm not on drugs. So it's a whole bunch of that. And then I get pulled into an office at work and they're like, your drug test results are back. You have to go see substance abuse rehabilitation. I was like, for what? You know, like, I've already proved, like, even with a hair test, I'm not doing drugs. And they're like, well, we tested you for Kratom. And I was like, well, why would you do that? <laughs> you know, like, and well, and the guy who's telling me this is where I work. It was our uh, drug and alcohol. Every, every command has, like, a drug and alcohol abuse, like, rep, right? Mm-hmm. And that's who's telling me this. And I was like, well, why are they testing me for that? And he's like, I have no clue. So that's like, that's guy number one that didn't know. Um, so, okay, I go to this substance abuse rehabilitation place for, you know, it's kind of like an outpatient interview, basically, to determine if I'm like dependent on anything. Um, so I had to do that twice, actually. I had to talk to two doctors. It was all part of like the legal, like I was like legally obligated to do it. So I talked to them, the people at the substance abuse 
rehabilitation program had no clue what Kratom was. And the second doctor I saw was like, it sounds like the stuff is actually working for you. Like it's helping you. I was like, yeah, it is. It's helping a lot. <laughs> it's uh, well, unfortunately banned. And I was, you know, so I'm thinking, okay, so it's banned. Let's just stop. You know, I guess we'll just quit taking it. <laughs> but come to find out that's not how it's going to go. It's there they're going to have to start processing legal action. So I'm like, well, if I'm screwed, I'm not going to stop taking it because, you know, if I'm getting kicked out, like, this is what I'm doing. So, you know, went through the whole legal thing and, you know, did the the cliche, like, you see in the movies where it's like the guy is in trouble and he's getting yelled at and, you know, I'm being called a drug addict. I'm being called a Jesus. bad father. I'm being called, you name it. You know, I'm like, look, like I'm not doing drugs. I'm not addicted to drugs. I don't have an issue. I was taking something that turns out it was banned and I had no clue. Like That's, that's the story, you know. My biggest takeaway was the amount of misinformation and lack of knowledge about it is ridiculous it's actually helped me you know i've been depressed for i don't know how long now been anxious been suicidal at times and and then here i am talking to you on the phone you know and there's a lot to be said about that and of course like now i'm especially now still taking kratom now i mean you know i yeah. took it right before the phone call because you know i've just lost a 15 year career because some ex-husband was pissed off at me and like who wouldn't be bummed out you know but um you know i still i'm having a good day today you know my wife and we're having fun Big thanks to Drew Turner, Jackie O'Shea, Jennifer Van Blunk, Andy Knowles, and all the other veterans we've had on the podcast. And all you veterans listening today, happy Veterans Day. The music is by Risey. The song is called Memories of Thailand. Acoustic guitar music was played by me. The Kratom Science Podcast is written and produced by me, Brian Gallagher for KratomScience.com. Take care.